I only keep the B-roll that has like a really good throughput to it that blends in super well to the start of the podcast. Squeak, squeaker. We had it, but it wasn't recording. Yeah. We could have started with squeak, squeak. <laughs> yeah. Well, we still might. It depends on how committed Sean is to making sure that we have that somewhere in the podcast. Squeak, squeaker. <laughs> now, now there's no way to get out of it. Well, we tried. Well, welcome. Welcome to Just Vibin'. This is the podcast where we talk about music that we love, that is vaguely associated with the theme. I mean, strongly, strongly associated with the theme. Extremely, extremely. Yeah, check your notes again. Yeah, you're right. Let me let me pull out my note sheet here. It says extremely associated with theme right at the top. That's because the... this is science. <laughs> this is science. <laughs> Welcome to the science. We have another guest scientist here. I'm going to introduce him first, Andrew. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ralph, is, by the way. Ralph Harris. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming, Andrew. Good, You're, good to meet you, Ralph. I did, like, sort of based on your name in the middle of the last podcast I was on. That was weird. <laughs> I, like, looked at you and, like, wanted to say Greg for whatever reason, and then I, like, couldn't get the word out. Surprisingly, I got called Greg a lot in high school. We that went to high school together. Got really does Greg surprise me. You guys don't I look anything know this. alike. You got called Ralph. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was it was a couple of times. I think it's because Greg grew like 25 inches up to the same height that I was. And so it was difficult for people to recognize Greg after the first like year or so. It is true. There were people that were like, yeah, they're like, oh, you uh, are a lot taller now. They wouldn't say it like that, but a lot of weird reactions like, when they saw me after oh, summer. Oh, you, uh, <laughs> you, uh, and they just make that vague motion with their hands to indicate height it's growth. Puberty. You, uh, it's called puberty. Yeah. yeah. Or the uh, old basketball guys that I didn't play with anymore would just call me Big Greg as I walked down the hallway. Whoa, wait, <laughs> so you stopped playing basketball after you got tall? Not like I'm that much taller to be playing basketball. I heard 25 inches. I don't know. Look, I was man, really short. This is going to come over great on the podcast, but he was about here. You know, <laughs> my elbow. My elbow. I was uh, not that short. You should find some pictures of us. There is a picture of it's us in fantastic. high school, and you were like literally there, maybe a little bit taller. And then he comes back sophomore year, and he's almost as tall as I am. And then my junior year, he is taller than me. Like now he's taller than me. That is the worst experience of your life <laughs> to bully somebody, use them as, a, as an armrest, and then they get taller than you. It's a horrible experience. I wish I had that I experience. I have never had that experience as the in my life. Short guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, no, actually, I appreciate this room experience. right now because I am not the shortest in the room like normal. Oh, come on. We're like half an inch apart. Nah, it's a little more than that. I was looking down on you the other day. I just slouch. Mm. Also, you wear boots more often. I don't think that's true. I'm talking about him. Oh, yeah, that's definitely true. I've seen you wear boots <laughs> and like thicker heels all the time. I mean, compensating a little bit. If the shoe fits. <laughs> to the right of me is Greg. <laughs> hey, guys. And uh, to Greg's right twice, we have Sean. What's up? Having a, a good time. This is the eighth episode of Just Vibin'. We skipped an episode last week, mostly because we were tired. <laughs> We've recorded a couple episodes that we kind of threw away that were subpar because we did it while we were tired or. We rushed the choice of album to one that maybe not all of us were super familiar with. And so we kind of came together last week and we're like, you know what? Let's just skip a week and come back. But rest assured, it's not because we don't want it. We just want to make sure that whatever we're doing is going to be worth investing time into. Only the best for you guys. 
Yeah. We make something. We want to make sure you can listen to it and enjoy that experience instead (laughs) of just like, wow, these guys are tired. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, yeah. uh, I've had an interesting week. It hasn't been... It's been a little over a week since we've recorded. For whatever reason, it doesn't feel as long as last time. Maybe it's because we're back into our usual on Tuesdays. It just feels more comfortable. And it's only been like a week and a half. Like the last one we recorded was almost like on two like weeks. Friday. Yeah, because yeah, we did a late one. And then it's only, yeah. So it's only like, yeah, a week and a half instead of being a full two weeks. Yeah. And anything you start like at night on a Friday always feels like the longest amount of time. It just feels like anything you start at Friday feels like it's been the longest day already. Well, I mean, we did have that whole fire alarm scare where it was a long day. That was a long Friday to grill inside the house. Nest just started screaming at us. We've been through this, but uh, that that did not help the whole long day aspect. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you know what? It is now uh, three weeks solid of me going to boxing class. So I feel better and worse every day. It's great. I've realized that the fact that I sit in front of a computer every day and type as a part of my job and my recreational activity means that I'm probably giving myself serious carpal tunnel and then going and punching a bag for 45 minutes might be doing some serious damage to my wrists. (laughs) But you know what? It's all worth it in the end. Who needs hands? Yeah. Um, I mean, by the time you get carpal tunnel, hopefully they'll have robot hands and, you know. Yeah, they'll just install, like, micro cables into my wrists instead of tendons, and I'll just, you know, I'll be cool instead of disabled. Yeah. That doesn't sound painful at all. Hey, man, if I had the opportunity right now to remove my hand for a robot hand, I would probably do it. Like, if you just said, hey, man, I want to give you a robot hand. I'd be like, yes, let's do it. Have the you watched is, Arrested Development? <laughs> by any means. I'm a monster! <laughs> they, they didn't tell you you weren't supposed to watch that. <laughs> like, having a robot hand would be really cool at first, and then everybody's going to have them, and then the people who don't have robot hands are either, one, going to be poor, or two, going to be super cool because their hands still work. That's be, my theory. That's be true or there would be a market for black market Real hands? hands. Oh my! You could sell your real hand to somebody. Yeah. Oh my God! That would. That's. Oh, uh, that is some real like altering. Right there. That is some incredibly dark. Like, <laughs> guys, we are writing a dystopian <laughs> novel next. Just a Black Mirror episode. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's just the entire plot of Altered Carbon. That's just the whole plot of Altered Carbon is selling your like extreme. Yeah. <laughs> take it to its extreme. Yeah. But you know, if if everyone has super hands. Then no one Nobody dies. dies. <laughs> <laughs> no, then just the, the, the rich people would have the best super hands. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It would just be uh, a class thing. Man, but All are you the ready novel, for guys? Are you guys ready for robot hands to have built in vapes though? Go go gadget vape. Go gadget vape. Dude, this middle finger has the best deck I've ever seen. You know, it's my that's my competition vape. Is my middle finger. I keep that one on for the best shows. My pinky is really where it's at, though. That's the one that I just use on the day to day. It's got it's got the smoothest transition. It creates the 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 slickest takes. You know, middle finger best clouds. Pinky finger best taste. Thumb is the hookah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just a weed compartment. Right? It's just like you slide your thumb up and you pull out the hot dab and <laughs> slam it. Into... Yeah. All right. Yep. Well, yep. I'm glad we, we went from. Cool. <laughs> I hope you guys didn't uh, 
get get whiplash from how quickly we pivoted from dark alter future <laughs> to, <laughs> to, vaping. to the darkest future. <laughs> Wait, is this the darkest timeline? Yeah. Um, but anybody else have anything fun happen to them over the last couple of weeks? See, actually, Andrew, we have an opportunity to re-engage with you because you're the first person who's been a reoccurring guest. Oh, wow. So since the last time we talked to you, We've actually talked about one of the albums that you cared about and then brought you on for another album. Wait, which album did you talk that I care about? You literally sent me five points about this. Oh, album right. That I read Thank on the podcast. Next. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm very sad I missed that. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was good. We uh, only didn't miss you because I read your points. So it's fine. I was probably listening to the album instead of talking about the album. So that's fair. It's not a bad fair. place to be. Anything fun happened to you in the last few weeks? Uh, no, no, it's, it's really depressing. But I, I don't, I don't think so. I paid my rent. You know, nice. That's uh, hey, you know how, what? How's your Hearthstone doing? Uh, it's it's a thing. Have Have you played MTG Arena at all? I haven't. It's like I've invested so much time into Hearthstone. It's just hard to pivot a game. I did. Uh, speaking of video games, Rocket League. I had never. I don't know if you guys have played Rocket League at all. I know Sean's played a little bit, but I was never I Diamond once. Two. And then I skipped from Diamond 1 all the way to, like, Diamond 3 somehow in one night where I just went on, like, a 20-game win streak. And I don't belong there, and every time I play now, I get destroyed. But <laughs> I had one night of just absolute flawless play. I was, I was like, possessed by the Rocket League gods, and I got up to a slightly above mediocre rank. That's, it felt good. It's, uh, okay, look. Nice. It's fun to say that you're slightly above mediocre, but that's still the top 4% of all players on Rocket well, League. Well, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, nice humble wreck. But side note, what's <laughs> weird about that is that they do their ranks one to five, five being the highest. And almost every other game I've played does it the other way of like fifth place. Fifth is the lowest. Oh, uh, sure. Up sure. to first place instead yeah. of the other way. Um, but MTG Arena, I like it a lot. I don't want to spend too much time talking about it, but it has a way better like card trade in system. When you buy packs, you get wild cards that you can use to activate any other card. I mean, it's of the same rarity. It, I, I'm it, used to the Hearthstone system at this point. I know. It's just the Hearthstone system is what made me not want to play it anymore. Oh. So I really like the I've just the been MTG playing it system. for so long, and I play it so much that I can play it for free. And like, That's if I fair. need a card, I have the resources for it because I, I play it a lot. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that enough. I, I'm definitely a unique case. but All right. Yeah, clearly top 4%. Anyway. <laughs> He's just really I've got cool a guys. lot of time on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good thing. Um, and that's why he's on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Well, we are going to jump right into it. The album theme that we have for today is the best album to feel like summer. I think we picked this theme mostly because it's freezing outside. I think we did this a while ago, too. We are like, let's think about summer as it's almost snowing. I, I couldn't. I've had difficulty pinpointing what I despise about Nashville weather, but it's because it always knows how to make you miserable. That's really it. It's It was raining, and it wasn't even cool. It was like 70 degrees and raining, so it's still muggy. And then the moment the sun comes out, it's like, <laughs> guess what? 19 degrees <laughs> is the low. It 31 is the high. And it'll give you like one day of like, oh my gosh, it's almost springtime. Right. And then, no. And, and then it Back looks now. the same the next day. And then you open the door, and you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah. God, no. Yeah. yeah. It's freezing. And then you get to the – so this makes it feel like summer. I'm going to be specific. Makes it feel like California summer for me, Ooh. at least. 
because uh, Summer Here is terrible. <laughs> Summer awful. Here not, is also muggy. Awful. It's not the worst. It's definitely not the best. It's not like Arizona and Florida heat. I don't know. I would take Arizona heat over Amen. this any Dry day heat. of the week. Okay. Any day. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm from Minnesota. I don't so... mind the dry heat, but I don't like the desert. I don't like, and you have to have the desert if you have dry heat. So I'd That's rather fair. be here. Yeah, no. In Minnesota, it's like super high humidity because we have all the lakes. So I got used to that, but it's only like 75, 80 degrees. It's great. It's, yeah. That's my, like Michigan, too. Michigan was yeah. like that. We It was pretty humid, um, but it wouldn't get crazy hot. And we were around water all the time. So I voice chat my mom, and she has, she's in Riverside. She shows me, like, oh, hi, I'm outside the Starbucks. And then she just kind of points the camera at the sky like oh whoops i can't control the camera oh look it's a blue sky (laughs) my mom's nice 70 degrees outside (laughs) my mom's been doing the same thing but it's like inside of three feet of snow right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah a bit different (laughs) uh but anyway uh one of the things that when we talk about an album that feel it makes you feel like summer is warming up right it's uh getting lit (sighs) you why i'm leaving (laughs) <laughs> we nice lost the worth it. Worth it. <laughs> um but it is warming up not that so we don't want anything that makes you want to stay inside and sit down and curl up by the fire right which you know we, we've hit a decent amount of themes of just by nature of it being cold so we're changing the pace a little <laughs> bit and it's like, it makes you want to get up and go out it makes you want to cruise a little bit right cruising just cruising baby you a song you make me want to roll my windows down it also makes me think <laughs> of nostalgia. Uh, yeah, whenever I think about summer and I think about summer as an idea, I think about summer break as a kid getting mm. out of school, leading into summer break, last day of school. What am I going to listen to? What's my anthem running out and not having to think about school for a while? And then remembering that because I'm a filthy AP, AP kid, I have to do summer homework <laughs> and wanting to ignore it for as long as possible. <laughs> Nerd. Yeah, reading you're right. the whole scarlet letter and taking a log every page yeah it's solid man the worst part about that actually my worst story there is that i didn't realize we we're supposed to read the abridged version of les mis so i read the whole <laughs> version of les mis i read the entirety of les mis that's Oof. like a 500 page difference right there yeah i it? mean like they were paid by the page so he just inserted the entire history of a war in the middle of the book so that he could make more money that's actually kind of brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that's still lame is. I know it's true about the Three Musketeers, the one who wrote the Three Musketeers, but that was also because they came out as like magazines mm. in like uh, smaller chunks. Mm. So the original oh, so they could do a lot more of them if it was more pages. Yeah, and the original Three Musketeers like had a bunch of side adventures with D'Artagnan and everything. Like, so it's like the original Marvel comics, written form. Yeah, without the pictures. Well, just yeah, like adventures yeah, yeah. in the life of style. Yeah, hundred percent. That's cool. Um. I think summer is pretty self-explanatory. I don't know if anybody else has anything they want to contribute to that. And I think, especially with the album that we're not going to say yet, but like, I feel like it's like the beginning of summer. Like right now we're not looking forward to July. We're looking forward to like mid May when it's just finally starting to warm up. Or like when we were in school, we were looking forward to like spring break. Um, Especially when I lived in Michigan, we would go, uh, it'd be like freezing snow. Everything was melting. So it was like forties, but like gross and gloomy. We go all the way down to Florida, which would be in the high eighties, and we'd be on the beach for a week. So, like, I feel like this would be a perfect album into like going into that. 
looking forward to even the feeling of summer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I like that. Well, and the album that we're talking about is uh, Mm-hmm by Reliant K. What was that? Mm-hmm by Reliant K. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm by Reliant K. Yeah, so it's M M H M M. That's how I have to say it to Siri. Siri does not understand. Mm-hmm. Like you have to say M M H M M by Reliant K. Yeah, yeah. I spell it out for Siri, like because on the way over, I don't, I don't want to be searching on my phone while I'm driving. You know, what a responsible, responsible. man. Yeah, yeah. So the, I have to spell it out because otherwise, it takes me five minutes to just get mm-hmm to be understood. Uh, I will do that. I'll talk to my phone. I don't want to say it right now because my phone is very sensitive and will hear me. So I'm not going to say it, but I'd do that too. Like play this on Spotify. It has to be very specific though. I would say play mm -hmm, by Reliant K on Spotify. Otherwise it'll come back with, you don't have a Google play subscription. (laughs) (laughs) That app is disabled. Why would I ever tell you to play anything on that app? (laughs) Sounds like he should get an iPhone. Why would I want to get an iPhone? I also don't want Apple Music. (laughs) Fair. Yeah. But, hey, it's a great album. Uh, We're going to go ahead and give it a listen. But I think first we're going to say that we aren't going to talk about The Sunny with a high 75. (laughs) (laughs) Which was kind of the reason we picked this album. Right. It's It's, a very summer song, but it's it's not. It's not. It's like one of the most like happy, super happy songs on the album. It's like a feel good song. It has its moments. Yeah. Like, yeah. the verses have some down points. Right. But, but like the it doesn't represent the, most... the album very well, I feel like. No. It's but it's just very like, different. It's just like, you listen to that chorus and everything's all sunshines and rainbows. Yeah. And it's like, a good time in life. Hence why this album is great for the summer. That one song. Yeah, and I think that this <laughs> really just time. emphasizes that these themes are loose reasons for us to talk about (laughs) songs that we like and albums that we like we just want to talk about the songs that we're gonna have the most discussion around and we realized pretty quickly that we like it's sunny (laughs) with a high 75 a lot but it doesn't really inspire us to have a a large conversation like the rest of the songs that we've picked on here so we'll lead in with the first one it's uh be my escape So that was uh, Be My Escape by Reliant K. I think we are, we've pretty much given up on the concept of listening to pieces of the song, like actually during the podcast. We skipped a whole half verse. (laughs) Yeah, we skipped like a total of seven seconds. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) We're just going to listen to the entire song. Um, But obviously for a lot of us, this is, was a, a big part of our childhood yeah, man. I remember getting this CD. It was the s- first or second CD I bought on my own. Recommended to me at a Christian bookstore by my f- by a friend in junior high. 
it's pretty pretty exciting pretty pivotal moment <laughs> in my life this uh this album and beautiful letdown by switchfoot were like mm. on rotation for Ayo. years yeah and uh it, i think there's no way to get around talking about this being a contemporary christian music band uh reliant k clearly had influences from the secular field it's difficult to not see the punk and rock influences all over everything that they do um, but even like them in Switchfoot, they were some of the first bands that when I listened to them, I could show it to my friends at school that weren't as much of good little Christian boys as I was, and they would appreciate <laughs> it. Um, wait, wait, that was you? Look, when I was a child, <laughs> I was a responsible human. Uh, what happened? <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry. It was right there. It's, it was a, right there. it's a longer than we have time on the podcast <laughs> for. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is one of those songs that just... Uh, w- when I was listening to Blink-182, I would also listen to Reliant K, and I figured that that balanced it out. <laughs> give one a beginning-to-end listen, and give the other one a beginning-to-end listen, and now it's all even. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have to worry about it. It's the whole like devil and angel on your shoulder thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I don't think that we can talk or we can skip over the song either without talking about the music video. Which <laughs> we watched before watching, <laughs> before so recording fantastic. this. Iconic, mind you. Oh man, I had forgotten about that music video, and then I watched it, and uh, it doesn't hold up as well as this album does. Can I say <laughs> that? I know it's supposed to be positive, but uh, that music it's, video—it's a very early aughts music video. It's very 2004 YouTube scene. It was kind of seen a little. Well. You know, back in the day when you had, like, the now worship stuff or, like, the now True. Christian alternative stuff, and then they ha- they released the music video packages of oh, those songs. Oh, yeah. Definitely was on. This one and, and uh, another one that we will talk about later. It, it was, was like, on those, and it was just on rotation constantly. And they didn't have a shuffle option. No. It's, like, the first one of the first DVDs that was out there. So, no, you're just playing through, like, a movie. All, like, 13 to 14 music videos at the time, and this one was, like, one of the first. It's the Christian version of MTV. Right. <laughs> but on DVD. <laughs> yeah, we would show up to youth group every every week, and it was just, okay, but they're in the same order, so you always knew which one was right. coming up next. Oh, yeah. And uh, I always volunteered with audio and visual stuff, so it was like, all right, let's put the DVD in, hit play. <laughs> <laughs> I know which one's coming first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was usually this one, so... um a lot of fun there's a really funny shot that you showed us andrew of them like pivoting the camera around um and trying to block out it was it was matt Thiessen, yeah right? matt Thiessen's face Oops, i think no it's Thiessen. Oh. it's Thiessen. uh he's he, he's looking directly at the camera and then they pivot around like a, a support beam yeah, yeah, yeah that completely blocks him out but they don't like change the camera focus at all they don't do like a focus switch so it's just this big blurry wooden beam <laughs> that takes up 90 percent of the screen it's, it's rough. uh it's classic early odds it's yeah. super good 50 percent of it is just like camera pointing at matt Thiessen and him making like i don't know the the uh, smolder into the camera <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the boy smolder. band smolder yeah yeah, yeah. Which he was pretty good at. Mm. He was. Like, uh, I just remember most of their concerts that out of all the band members, he was probably, like, the easiest one to focus on because he had all the charisma. And that, like, was one thing that really held their band together live. Um, Interesting enough, though, this song hit top 40. Really? 
39. It hit 39. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's um, not but 40. That is, but, but that is great, especially for uh, Christian Rock. Um, and, and we were talking about it earlier, too, that like they got nominated for a Grammy from an earlier album. Yeah, which I was surprised. Uh, because even like the CCM genre wasn't a real thing when they first started hitting it up and getting getting out there. There wasn't a CCM Grammy around. Um so they were still considered yeah they like they've been gospel. changing and the grammy's been changing their direction on it but yeah and it's funny too the grammy that they won isn't even an available grammy anymore it was the gospel rock grammy but that um, wasn't for this album right no it was for the w- one right before okay um two less don't make it right yeah. yeah but uh yeah, this album is really interesting, too, uh, in general. It was uh, the first one that they started experimenting more with sounds. Um, and this is actually the first one that uh, Matt Thiessen played piano on, hmm. um, which is interesting. And I think that's something that's really brought them apart from other bands in the emo scene or like more the heavier rock scene is that they push, push the boundaries on instrumentation and for stylistics, adding a lot more piano and other instruments, including like um, there's credits on here for like banjo and violin and um, some strings. There's a lot a, of mallets as well on this album. Yep. Yeah. They which had is a straight up Coldplay moment in the, in Be My Skate. We just listened to after the bridge when all the strings come in. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that that kind of sounds like uh, something I would hear off like Viva La Vida. Yeah. And, and such. Yeah. And it's cool. I think a lot of that comes from not only their uh, producer Mark Townsend, who they used a lot uh, for a lot of their records in is like well known in the Christian uh rocket scene but they also recorded this album in uh Nashville at Dark Horse oh. studio yep. um which they recorded like Taylor Swift and a bunch of country acts so i feel like as they have progressed and i think starting kind of with this album and some of the christmas stuff they started to broaden out their horizons with instrumentation and arranging which is cool and that was one of my favorite things about them how they had a like a punk edge and I was I thought it was super cool because they were probably like the heaviest band I listened to at first for a while. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were and, the uh, only band that I could listen to that sounded like Blink One Eighty Two without putting headphones on. So that's why I've listened to them a lot. <laughs> it's like my mom wouldn't come in and yell at me. <laughs> yeah, but they yeah they uh, push the boundaries, especially a lot with this album. Anyway, it's a lot of fun, and it's a very clean album. Yeah, from a production recording standpoint, those the tones are pristine. That, and they hit you fantastically. Uh, Tom Lord Algy makes this. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was about to mention when you were talking about Dark Horse Studios, I was like uh, comparing it to the rest of punk. A lot of punk does not sound good. This uh, holds up today. This I'm personally this is solid by that. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's true. I'm like, <laughs> punk was all about like the garage authenticity, band. right? Pop, uh, more pop punk, like emo. We're not talking like older. That's punk. fair. That's fair. But it, even still, a lot of that. Stuff does not sound good. No, yeah, it, back. a lot of it does not hold up. Like the songs are great, but when you listen to the production elements in it, it it doesn't hold up. To I will literally read that. That was that was a joke. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like it's a little bit based on opinion. Even if when you, you go older, but I do agree. Like some of the pop punk stuff doesn't hold up as much. Yeah, and this no, album is a step up from their past couple albums in terms of production as well. Yeah, um, and also I feel like Matt Thiessen can actually sing more than a lot of pop punk artists. Again, Ralph is ready to murder me. But And this was the last time we had Andrew on the podcast. <laughs> a lot of those former bands, Blink-182 included, he's not a great singer. The songs are great. 
but he's not known for being able to carry a melody super well. It's he's fun to listen to. Really? The melodies are fantastic. Yeah, okay. I'm going to okay. strongly disagree with you on that <laughs> I, one. <laughs> I am not I, a fan okay. of Good Charlotte Andrew, and Blink-182's vocals. we kept the door open for you to walk out of it. <laughs> okay. 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 the door open for you to leave, Andrew. Here, here's a, an example that Andrew might be trying to get to. It's a little bit nicer, maybe, in the sense that like people say the Beatles didn't have the best voices in the world, but they could write the best songs. So I think some of these punk bands didn't always have the best vocal voices, but could still write some great melodies and great yeah, songs. That's uh, and in the note, style wasn't to... about the most beautiful of voices. Like I enjoy Blink One Eighty Two, but like not for that element. And that's fair. As a completely unrelated side note, you make me so nervous with your MacBook. Every time you have this MacBook, you release it with both hands and then shake your whole body <laughs> while it's only being propped up by, like, the notches of your knees. <laughs> it just makes me so nervous. And a second ago, you put it to one leg and then released both hands again. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're going to give me a heart attack. Uh, I have I, good balance. Clearly. Um I also think that it's fair when we talk about how much they like to experiment and how many other instruments they brought in. In retrospect, when they released one of their later albums, uh, Forget Not Slow Down, it was this huge, like, wow, this is way different than anything you've done before. But it feels more natural when you're able to go back and see how much they did experiment, how much they did like to change and do new things. That the idea that they would eventually completely turn around the way that they sound is not that surprising in mm -hmm. retrospect. And they led up with Birds and the B-Sides, which is just them, like, messing around with everything on a, on a record. I honestly thought that was a B-side record when it initially came out, and then I realized, oh, this is like an actual like full-length album. And again, they were just like messing with, with sounds. second and, disc of B-sides. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, but they're like There's messing around with sounds, so they kind of like just shook up the the whole pot before they're like, oh, and here's Forget and Not Slow Down, our, our, our new sound. Like but they were even experimenting on the album immediately after. Mm-hmm. Uh, full length of uh, five, five score. Yeah, five there, score there's a lot of brass on that. It's, it's true. I feel like mm -hmm and five score are the most cohesive two that they've had in. I would agree. Like one after the other. But, and even looking at that, uh, Let It Snow Baby, Let It Reindeer, the Christmas oh, album, was in between yeah. those two. True. And that one probably experimented even more, um, which I think is why that works such so well as a Christmas album from a punk pop, pump, pop, pop punk, punk band. Because they are able to experiment in a lot of those instrumentations in fields of classic uh, Christmas music and um, translate them into pop punk with more of a easiness and a glide than just real harsh. So, Well, and it, as we talk a little bit about them experimenting and trying new things, we, they also embrace some fairly common themes amongst pop punk. And I think that our next song does that quite a bit. Um, <laughs> which is Witch to Bury Us at the Hatchet. And uh, we're going to give it a listen, but it's definitely one of the ones that harkens really to their punk roots. I think you know what I'm getting at. I find it so upsetting that the memories that you select, they keep the bad, but the good you just forget. And even though I'm angry, I can still say, I know my heart will break the day. I never thought 
into it i just want to say that i pull up the lyrics on genius um just to you know remind myself of the things that we're talking about um and the advertisements that they have today don't actually have the advertisements just the warning it says warning this product contains nicotine nicotine is an addictive <laughs> chemical but doesn't actually show whatever the nicotine is it's just an ad for the warning yeah someone you could buy a poster of that warning well it just it feels like an art piece that's insinuating that my phone has nicotine. It's like an addictive <laughs> substance to look at my phone. Mm. Just, it's a real, real Banksy ad there on yeah, my phone. Should, uh, you should throw deep. that one out to the frist. Yeah, probably. I probably, it'd probably go for like I don't know, what do you think three hundred dollars at least? Just put it on a phone on a wall with mm. the the warning on it. Yeah. Oh, dude, we could. Uh, yeah, it could be an art piece. We get like a hundred phones. All right, but so that that's would 100 be, times $700. Yeah, that, that would be so expensive. So that's $70,000. It means but more it's if art. it's one phone because one oh. phone can be just as addictive. It's your phone. Isn't that the thing? And it's a just, mirror. It's just a mirror. And it says, put your phone says, here. You are secretary. <laughs> all right. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to the Bojack right. Horseman. So we checked all the boxes. What do we need now? An ASMR joke? Is that what we need to check all the boxes? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thanks. Done. <laughs> we, ah, no, the worst one. It's the Maybe worst I one. Scissors. Um, I also we, we mentioned oh. this in the middle, but I definitely didn't appreciate how good the banjo is on this song of just really blending super well. It's great. It is one of the best uses of banjo that I have ever heard in the history of music. Eh, that seems a little extreme. <laughs> that seems extreme, but it is good. We we live in Nashville. One of the things that we didn't mention before. We mentioned like what it was, but we didn't talk about how much they actually sink into really hard uh, pacing and instrumentation pivots on this album. And the end of the song uh, pivots really hard and leads into the next song, Let It All Out, uh, completely smoothly. Um, and one of the first albums that I had ever listened to that does that, that kind of designs the set list to flow naturally from one song to another. Um of course, there were other albums that did this beforehand, but for me, it was the, one of the first ones I had ever listened to and really introduced me to that idea of a concept album. Because even as a kid, I was the one that would hit shuffle on the CD until somebody was like, hey, that makes your CD start skipping. Animal. And I was like, OK, well, then you know, I'll stop doing it. Um, and this one really sold me on that idea. So I, I really appreciate how well the banjo kind of hints at that transition until they finally get to it. And then it's like, oh, hella banjo <laughs> so they, they play into the full transition yeah and those transitions were awesome uh, when they did it live too with their uh, with the anniversary the 10th uh, anniversary yeah 10th anniversary tour off of this album they played through it straight and they got all those transitions happening it was fantastic that's awesome show. it was amazing sean and i went yeah several years ago they they played through all of mm -hmm, and then they just went through like all their singles in chronological order as their encore <laughs> it as was encore. amazing yeah wow yeah i mean if you're gonna do a 10th anniversary that's a good way to do it um we didn't get a whole lot into the lyrics of be my escape um mostly because it, it it's a fairly traditional like call uh lyrically it's a fairly traditional ccm message of like help me you can god help me you can come to me i keep trying to push you out but you can yank me out and, and help me here 
but this one has um while it still has some of those themes it falls into the heavy punk genre of i hate you you hate me (laughs) 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 it's a great time for everybody (laughs) um and it's definitely one of the this plus blink 182 you know it's one of the ones that led me into albums that i enjoyed a lot later like maroon 5 and songs about jane like mayday parade um it's lyrically one of the ones that first started to capture me and really made me think about the lyrics before i just wanted something that i could kind of headbang to and get really excited about and which you can do on this one as well you can do you definitely can do uh interestingly a headbanger I didn't even have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think banger. <sighs> we hit the pun. We hit the ASMR. <laughs> we hit the. The checklist is already I hate, done. I hate that we're so predictable. Um, <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, while I was listening to this, uh, because they, they do do some really hard tonal swings, but the kind of rock scream background seems a little ahead of its time. I'm trying to think of another band I was listening to then that did that. Because later, the like pop punk scream attitude of like Red Jumpsuit Apparatus and a couple of other bands became a lot more popular for a while of just using screams as a sound effect more than a way of delivering your lyrics was not something that I had heard a whole lot of around the area. And and I might just be blind to it. I'm going to admit that. I just can't think of any other band that had done that. And then it was several years before we heard another band really bring that to the fore of pop punk. Day to remember. I was thinking of Day to Remember, but yeah, so I think we're going to be on the same thing. I would consider that like pop metal less than pop punk because they are very heavily on the metal side. But they do have a similar theme of kind of flipping that on its head of using the screams as, you know, sound effects, but also still using it as lyrics in in the metal. metal Right. On the harder songs, they use it as the main delivery method. Yeah. Like, I think uh, we keep calling it pop punk because it is. But again, with the more shininess of the production it definitely leans much more to the pop side of more almost like pop rock with punk influence it's pop punk but it's it's more pop i would say than it is punk i think the part that brings out the punk is that their influences are clearly worn on their sleeves like the blink 182 influences and offspring influences of just like this is what we listened to before we wrote these i would agree with you and i think the best data remember comparison i can make and i'm specifically thinking of homesick i don't really listen to a whole lot of data remember and i haven't listened to much of them recently so i'm specifically calling out homesick here um is the cleanness of the production makes that comparison a lot easier homesick was such a cleanly produced album and this album was also super cleanly produced that these transitions that they do, which Data Remember did as well, not quite as hard, but also starting from a harder place, um, uh, still has that really easy ring to it. Something that even today, despite the fact that this was 15 years ago, is nice to listen to. Sounds great. It's remarkable. <laughs> I just put Sean into a coma by saying the phrase 15 years ago. <laughs> Man, we're old guys. And I think when you're talking about that album specifically, I I think you're right in the sense that like Reliant K was more on the forefront um, because that album came out four years after Homesick came out four years after. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that came more in the mainstream. I would argue that there was screaming and there was a lot of that in other genres, even in a rock genre, but it was more underground. It wasn't on the pop side. It wasn't used as an effect. It was either the formal vocals or a I'm singing. Now I'm screaming. It wasn't used as a 
a, a blend in, which bands would do later on. It, the closest analogy I can think of is Rise Against, right? Which yeah. is like a similar yeah. period uh, okay. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of like very fair. rock, uh, angsty rock using that kind of scream on it. But because Reliant K leans a little bit more, like you said, into pop and more into kind of like a lullaby thing, the contrast is much harder, which is why I would lean towards something like a Red Jumpsuit Apparatus over a Rise Against, which is just angst 99% of the time, right? I don't, I don't know what the timeline is on this off the top of my head, but what about like Mike Hem and the Used? Because they kind of were doing that as it is, but I'm not. I sure I have no idea about what... the Used, but Mike Hem was 2006 or 2007, because that's Black Parade, right? It's 2006. Well, the, you could even go back to uh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Is that the the title of that? record before uh cheer, yeah, three cheers for sweet revenge yeah, yeah. Let, I mean, let's not get too to into the weeds but that's a good call out that they were probably doing something a whole lot and it's easy to see that reliant k could have been pulling influences from there as well and i think they're definitely pulling from one. like even the used too because yeah the used their first album which they did have a lot of like straight singing straight screaming um uh was in 2002 okay. so um yeah. it, it was just around that era but reliant k was more on the pop side of the of the punk of, of the rock of yeah. the uh a metal even i i mean i used a mic cam definitely pulled from more heavier metal sides more rock. especially yeah, yeah. early on yeah and three cheers came out in 2004 along with this album so around the same time yeah but all of those are secular bands like it's really interesting to know and this is why i think reliant k really saw success is because like i mean they were the best as far as christian bands go they were they in my mind they were just the best yeah and i think uh yeah, part of it too. Like they were able to get on top of the charts, and they were on a um, more pop-oriented label. A lot of the Christian rock bands of the time were on Tooth and Nail. True, um, very, which true. was very in the underground, and they had bands on the top. But Reliant K, they were on uh, Goatee, which was Toby Max label, um, and uh, they had more on the pop side. I mean, he was on hip hop and rap, rock all of what DC talk was and Toby Mac turned into. So I think that had a lot to do with it too. And Toby Mac was um, the owner of the label and the, the executive producer on this album as being the owner of the label. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, I think it's really interesting and, and we might get into this a little, a little more later, but the, there has always been like a really deep roots push and, and it's less common now but especially in the 90s uh, the 80s and the 90s and into the early 2000s that attempting to go after a secular audience by uh, having music that isn't necessarily directly worship music was considered antithetical to a lot of what christian churches were about right it was considered to have one use you're going to show this to teenagers and get teenagers in your church um, but considering it as like an art form or as just to be respected in its own right as art that you're creating as an act of worship instead of just direct worship music was still a new ish concept, right? Like the earliest one that you can think of that was popular and breaking that ground was Petra. And <laughs> I, I mean, Petra's fine, but also was not super popular, right? They were not well regarded by anyone on either side of the line. And they were older. Uh, we were looking earlier, like, they had records back in the early yeah, 90s and 80s. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is that they, they were way earlier, and it was a long time before other bands like Switchfoot and Reliant K went after that, that audience of, hey, we can do both. Like, just because we're a Christian band doesn't mean that these very real things that other bands sing about don't happen to people. 
um, and they they are they're still worth talking about, right? And so I, I think that that's a lot of why when we, we make a joke, hey, they hit top thirty nine, it's because <laughs> uh, they decided to make music that was relatable without leaving their sphere or just abandoning what they believe, right? I remember, I think it was when Five Score came out, Reliant K like made an announcement that they were gonna go secular or something like that, and it was like a big dispute among the the middle school community I was in at the time. <laughs> like so many like YouTube comment wars on that, but it, it's really cool how this album they were still technically Christian and like nothing really changed, um, but they were able to hit the secular market anyway. Um, so yeah, that's uh, Witch to Bury, Us of the Hatchet. We have one more song on the list. It's Who I Am Hates Who I've Been. And uh, we'll go ahead and give it a listen. I watch the proverbial sunrise Coming up over the Pacific end You might think I'm losing my mind But I will shy away from the specifics Cause I don't want you to know Oh, the song's so good. Those guitars, what did they do to them? Dude, everything just sounds everything great. Everything like, in that song. It's well put together. No, well no. tracked, well arranged, well mixed. Who I am hates who I've been. Which I, really I think can. was the first single off of this album. Yeah, no. was it? No, it was Be it. My Escape, I Be thought. Be My Escape was the first. Be this, My Escape. Okay. This number two, I think. Okay. Also a cool music video. I think they're like everything's going backwards around him or something like that. Oh, that yeah. does ring a bell. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good times. Yeah, so I like this song a lot. Um, one of my favorite—I'm trying to figure out what it's called. Uh, yeah, I'll look it up in a minute. But it reminds me of one of my favorite plays. I should probably just look it up, and we can talk about it in a second. But the play is set up so that it's set up from two perspectives, right? Yeah. Okay. So it is last five years. Is what it's called. Last five years. You guys heard of this at all? I have not. So this this song and songs like it, but this song in particular is one that makes me think about it. Last five years is a musical that's set up from two perspectives. Um, there's a girl and a guy, and clearly, and they had a relationship, but they're starting at different points in time when the musical starts. One person is at the end, or after they've broken up and gotten over it, and the other one is at the beginning when they start to see each other and begin to date. The musical progresses so that they meet in the middle and then pass each other in time. So one person is singing about their experiences leading up to like the honeymoon phase and then down and how it gets bad and they finally break up and they go out. And the other one is going in reverse all the way through. Cool. Sounds like a Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, less like directly playing with timelines, but it's really heartbreaking in a way because they meet up right at the moment where everything goes super, super bad. Right. Like they've been hinting at it and playing around it. And you can feel the tension because they've they've kind of front loaded the gun. <laughs> like, hey, look, they break up at the end. <laughs> like, they ready, ready to hit you with it. And um, this song really emphasizes that moment when they meet super well of just he's not directly attacking anyone. Right. And he's looking inward and blaming himself in the same self-destructive way that he talks about brought him to the point of exploding in the song. 
right? He talks about how, like, I shouldn't have said anything. I don't know how to keep it to myself. But then even when I keep it to myself, it gets bottled up and explodes. He's bringing himself down for not being able to relate and let out the emotions in a healthy way, talk to someone, and have that that therapeutic release. Clearly, this blew up on somebody. Even though that somebody is uh, um, not, like, super well described, it's easy to imply and, and see where uh easy to relate to right especially i i know that we we're a bunch of dudes sitting in a room so we don't have anybody to counterman this but as a guy i feel like it is an easy rap to get it's easy to understand we're told that like you need to be strong you need to just deal with it he says in here you know i thought i needed to keep myself together in order to be able to handle anything and that's a really big pressure that we feel as men and especially coming from like a Christian lead, I think it's important to emphasize that that was something that I felt growing up that I was always told, like, you have to lead, you have to be in control, you have to control yourself, you have to know what you're doing and have all your stuff together at all times, because it is your job to lead. And having this song in my life at like 10 or 11, right, 12, 13, um, was a big deal. It was a big, like, yeah, I get frustrated and I lose control of everything and it helps kind of shape your perspective. Even as a 25-year-old adult, <laughs> this is incredibly applicable of I want to feel like I have control of everything at all times, but I don't. And the more that I try to pretend that I do, the more I just kind of stuff that and stuff that and stuff that until I lose it and I break down and I lose control over what I want. And if I don't take care of that sooner... I won't be able to tell who that's going to blow up on and who it's going to hurt. Right. And so I, I really, really like this song from, from a lyrical perspective of just it's raw and is opens up about being vulnerable and broken in a way that isn't typically addressed in a pop punk uh, genre while still being the most clearly influenced by a Blink-182 song. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's just really, it, it's, it's interesting, and it's very, very well done. That's one of the things I really like about this album, is it's very introspective. It's not just everything sucks. It's, no, I, I have faults, and I'm trying to work through them. And that kind of, uh, bringing it back to the summer thing, uh, it, it kind of makes sense, because it's, it's a new start, right? It's like end of the school year or whatever when we listen to it, and you're like, man, uh, I kind of, I kind of think last year could have gone better. Like, I feel like that was my normal experience. End of the year, I was like, okay, next next school year will be better, you know. Especially for middle school for me, I'm well, convinced yeah. that the only reason why I left middle school is because they didn't want me back. I <laughs> definitely should have failed, repeated some amount of classes in middle school, but they were like, no, please. Please just get out. <laughs> they didn't let me come back, so I relate to that. I don't think I don't think I've met anyone who is like, no, I dug my middle school years. No, I mean, I absolutely hated who I was. I think thirteen-year-old yeah. me, right before graduation, was certainly living the time of his life. <laughs> but in retrospect, and even like towards the end of those years, I think even like little, you know, shitty twelve-year-old me, thirteen-year-old me was like. Maybe that wasn't the best. If you peaked nah, in middle school, little, that's a bad life. A yeah, yeah. bad time right there. Oof. Oof. Uh, yeah, I'm glad we're all, we all got a syncopated oof in there. I'm talking about oof. using that sound bite. <laughs> Let's grab that one. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really, really good. Um, of course, I think this was also the song that maybe two or three of us couldn't help but talk about podcast details during the song. <laughs> It's a good song. <laughs>
Um, yeah. So anything else we want to say about that before we move on? Yeah. I, I just like how Reliant K is willing to go uh, deeper into music some, uh, on some of these tracks. Uh, I, we hit on a little bit, even with like uh, Barry the Hatchet, where he's talking about both sides and how it's not just the hate and the aggression, but it's more of the internal thoughts as well that they hit on. Um, that was one thing that I really appreciated about uh, their music and uh, how we're talking. We can talk about on later songs too. Um, I feel like they hit more than just one pi- side of the perspective. They just hit more than one of the just initial emotions, which a lot of punk pop songs hit. I feel like, yeah. Um, where it's just that initial anger, that initial happiness, or initial like stupid story, or initial something. And I feel like Reliant K tries to hit a few different points. Their songs, songs. their songs progress lyrically as they change things, scenes musically too. They don't just stick on that one emotion. Yeah. Yeah, and they never stopped being willing to do that. Um, when we talk about them being willing to hit hard, uh, their next album, I think, Birds and the B-Sides was their next album. No, five, five score. score next. Five score? Yeah. Was Birds and B-Sides was still after this one, though, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, Curl Up and Die is um. probably one of the more <laughs> like really dark songs that I've ever heard, and it shows that they are it's a dark song i forgot about that song that song is really good but it's definitely dark yeah um but i still appreciate it because it it shows a depth and like a willingness to go somewhere and still talk try to talk about it in a more healthy way while still hitting both ends it's not an album full of bleak hot dark takes like it's it hits the spectrum um and in a in a really good way and he's not again wallowing in self-misery he's using it to like push forward like there's definitely a bright horizon i feel like where it's not just like an emo song you know it it has elements of that but it, it's it's got a more positive focus i think yeah and if you're still feeling depressed just go back to high 75 and you're all good there you <laughs> say, go. he also writes a lot of fun yeah. whimsical odd lyric songs sometimes you also got like the only thing worse than beating a dead horse is betting on one yep yeah yeah uh I do think that there's always a fun this is just the the only part of me that can actually claim to be a music nerd. I love it when you have really depressing lyrics in a major key. Mm. I just that's mm. one of my favorite themes in music is just writing things in a major key and being super depressing or th- vice versa of just being upbeat and cheery in a minor key. Um, <laughs> yeah. because our cultural stigma has made it such that like we associate this like there's an emotional response to a major and a minor key that is yeah, totally different, right? For for no reason other than this is the way that we've done it for generations. We are we are taught for the last four hundred years that a minor key indicates something darker and depressing, and a major key does not. Um, and and so it's always fascinating to see that that move through. I mean, just listening to the song, it like Sean and I are over here banging our heads, singing along. If you actually stop and think about what we're singing, like we wouldn't be banging our heads for sure. Like it's kind of <laughs> depressed. Like yeah, who I am, hate to have been. Yeah, like no, that's not that's not something you shout at the top of your lungs as you're cruising around town. But it was like, yeah. it, it's such a fun song and such somber lyrics in a way. Yeah, 
it, lyrics that it, it's a song that I appreciated because it was fun to listen to as a kid with lyrics that I appreciated as an adult because they apply to me so realistically. Yeah. And even as a kid, I liked having that angst and feeling like I didn't have to be perfect, but the whole depth of how that would impact my life hadn't quite, you know, been, been hit there yet. Well, uh, as usual, we usually have a few runner ups, runner up albums. Um, do we have, uh, a volunteer, Sean just gave me the eyes of, oh, shoot, I didn't think about this before the moment you mentioned it. <laughs> no, I got one. You got one? You got I one got in the last one. six seconds. I could see your eyes finding it on the ceiling. No, no the, 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 you read the eyes completely wrong. Cool for the summer, Demi Lovato. <sighs> I hate you. <laughs> Moving on, Andrew, do you have a better runner-up than that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm going to shout out the Feels Like Summer by Childish Gambino because... I mean, it's in the name, and it's just great. I hate both of you. Um, I'm so why, done with this podcast. But why did you but, give me the look if you were going to do the exact same thing? <laughs> to be fair, Childish Gambino is a little bit better than Demi Lovato. Um, that doesn't work. Uh, you have to name the album, and the album is Summer Pack. Okay, and it was a bunch of you on your time right there. magic, <laughs> and feels like summer because I was just about to name that one. So. Okay, I will say <laughs> I hate. However, all. why am I camp, in a room with the three of you? Camp would be my my runner up of an actual album, which Childish Gambino as well, because that has it, it. It's about summer camp, and like when I think about summer as a kid, uh, and and mm-hmm has a lot of nostalgia as well. And now I don't get as excited for summer because I work all summer. Uh, so when I think about summer and the good times, I think about summer camp and camp is just so good at summing up how you start a relationship in a week and all of these emotions and things. And it just takes you back really effectively. You know, also the, uh, soundtrack to 500 days of summer is pretty good. The boy, Tom just <laughs> <laughs> Can you even name a tune or like whistle it? Yeah. Uh, Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's neither Joseph a tune nor a whistle. Congratulations. You're out. <laughs> you melody. are the weakest link. <laughs> Goodbye. <coughs> okay, Greg, do you have another? Do you have an actual runner up for me? Please don't do a pun. Uh, it's hard. They aren't even puns. <laughs> okay, so here's here's the problem. All the all the like nostalgic summer albums I can think of are all pop punk albums. Okay, so I was, just to, I was just trying to, you know, make it something different, but I have something very different. You want me to go first while you look? Yeah, you go first. So my runner-up is, uh, well, I actually need to look up the album name. It's by Enya. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and I'll explain in a second. Let me let me find it here. Um, but the reason why it's my summer album is because like my mother would put this on all the time all the time so and my mother is a teacher right so i'm thinking of day without rain uh my mother's a teacher and my father's a teacher so we all had summer break at the same time so that meant that summer was filled with a lot of like walking around the house talking with my parents uh either sometimes doing chores sometimes playing board games with my dad um going outside and swimming in the pool with my family it's it's a lot of like to me it felt like a really long sunday like that sounds weird, but it felt like a really long Sunday sometimes because every day was filled with my mom putting on Lord of the Rings and uh, playing it in the background. I like or, your mom. <laughs> she yeah. seems cool. Uh, or uh, putting on an Enya track and uh, her, she's sewing or painting while I'm reading a book or running around outside. So 
Enya for me really is that hits that nostalgia and that like cruising. <laughs> it's weird. And that cruising one of just like my mom would play it in the car with the windows rolled down while we were driving because the air conditioning didn't work. It's a very specific memory for me, which is why I would never suggest this album for us to talk about. But really, really hits me in that like summer groove aspect. I figure one out. Oh, good. What do you have? Um, Wolfgang Amadeus uh, by Phoenix. Yeah. Did I say that right? Uh, yeah, Why Wolfgang Amadeus. Ralph's already disapproving. No, of my not choice. disapproving. It's just funny that you would pick this one. It didn't have summer in the title. It, <laughs> it didn't have summer in the title. You're right. I, I really like this album. It's uh, super upbeat. It's catchy. It's kind of like one of my first like loves of indie rock, um, which I got into later. And... Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I really got into this album at the beginning or during a summer and uh, puts me back in some of those memories. Another one that comes to mind as we're talking about summer that's a little bit more nostalgic and relatable would be uh, Newsboys stepping up to the microphone. Oh my gosh. I can oh. literally remember taking the CD and putting it in a boombox in my room in a cabin in Canada. And this was the first time I like physically remember like playing music on my own and i had my own boom box it was really exciting it was i would go with take me to your leader as my newsboys album of choice but yeah oh man that made that just for whatever reason made me think of burlap to cashmere anything out there you guys ever oh my god well we'll check that out in a second i don't know how that of putting it in a boom box like i had uh a like cassette tape of this burlap to cashmere that we eventually replaced with a CD because the cassette tape, like, you know, did cassette tape things. Um, it's just that like very specific memory of putting something in a boom box and listening to it. Mm-hmm. I have with a, a weird memory of burlap to cashmere. All right. Well, this has been the, uh, just vibe and podcast. I'm Ralph. You can find me on Twitter at, at the ninth Ralph for all of my hot takes on the bachelor. <laughs> That was the last checkbox that we were missing. <laughs> we got them all, guys. We got them all. We got them all. Uh, where can people find you, Greg? I'm Greg. You just uh, dropped a new single. I did. I just dropped a new EP. Um, ep. 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 It's uh, coming out on Spotify and all the socials soon. It went out on SoundCloud early on accident. So, <laughs> Oh, see, that's where I saw it. <laughs> I was like, I, you getting those paychecks and accounts. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> definitely scheduled it for Friday. Definitely came out. Five seconds later. And, <laughs> and that's why I really don't like SoundCloud still. Not anymore, just still don't like SoundCloud. Hey, we uh, can't say that. It's the only place you can find this album. Uh, yeah, that's true. I love you, SoundCloud, so much. So <laughs> much. Hot and, uh, SoundCloud how much sponsorship music money I actually Greg. have on SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can find me Coffee Shop, C, C V F F E E S H X P. I like um, how you had to see or two C's. <laughs> one. I blanked for a second there. Staring at Ralph, I was like, am I going to say this correctly? You saw my <laughs> eyes being like, don't you mess it up. Greg. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the EP is called Hold Fast, and it should be everywhere soon. Is cool. lit. Sean, where can we find you? Yo, uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at SHWN Music. And, nice. and uh, what about you, Andrew? I am on Instagram at Andrew.Wester. And uh, I've got more than one picture up now. So 
I guess that happened in the past few weeks as well. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the highlights of Andrew's life. <laughs> I put another Instagram photo up, doubling the amount of photos I have on there. It was, it was a big moment. You know what? I don't you think can, I follow you on Instagram. You can I mean. also find Andrew on Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have more than two pictures on Tinder, Bumble, hey, and Hinge. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> That's really unfortunate. You know what? I uninstalled Tinder in favor of Bumble, and I've had more conversations than Wait, I Wait, but I thought already. you paid for Tinder. For a year. It's been a year. Oh, it, it, oh. it went out? No, 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 no. Bumble is definitely better for conversations because I always get frustrated when girls don't send me messages on Bumble. But then on Tinder, I just never send a message anyway. That's the exact reason I had it. Of like, I didn't feel as frustrated because I was also I knew that about myself on Tinder. Of like, I don't send messages, so I will literally never do it unless the girl sends it first. So Bumble works out great. Of like, there's zero pressure. They have to respond first. If they don't do it, then cool. I probably wasn't going to send a message. The 24 hours thing is really helpful because like, if I don't have a deadline, it's like, oh yeah, I'll get around to it. Oh. Oh, she's moved halfway across the country now. Okay. I'd like to correct you. You have three photos. Yeah, yeah, I do. Three photos. And one of them is of the place that we do our podcast recording. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not That's not actually uh, here. It, oh, it just looks for super simple. Oh, is that your studio? That's my studio, man. That's your studio. Been there. At first glance, you. it looks very similar. I mean, Same look, interior it's... designer. It's Kinda? Sean. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, Blaine does more of the interior design. Okay, over there. well, you took notes from him then. Hey, this is it's the been... same lights. I was in... gonna say he's had yeah. this since 2016. Yeah, fair. He he swapped out his real lights for string lights a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that was I'm deep down that rabbit trail right there. Yeah, he hit that hipster train early. Mm. Sean only exposed lives. light bulbs, Edison bulbs. Got those hot Edisons. <laughs> We're just gonna leave that there. I need more Edison's. I need some more Einstein's. Need some more Einstein's. Yeah, I prefer Tesla. Mm. Mm. Tesla's you know legit. I'm. I want to get an actual desk, but I realized that I just want to make a desk because I want to put one of those induction coils through the top. Um, you know, like wireless charging. It's like you can actually uh, make a desk and put it all across the top so that I can get a wireless keyboard, wireless mouse, and then just set my phone down on my desk and it'll start charging. And then my wireless keyboard and mouse will never run out of power because there's an induction coil running through the entire desk. So I can just have like mostly wireless everything all so the way through. how much junk does that send into your body? Unimportant. Just build a <laughs> Faraday cage then around, around the yourself? desk oh, okay. and then just... Stick your hands in so that only your hands. <laughs> we're, we're bringing this. You're gonna, you're, you're gonna be on the black market for this anyway. <laughs> so Ralph can have two robot hands. <laughs> no, see, I'm gonna get ahead of it. Cut the hands off and sell them, and replace them with robot hands. So that way, I don't have to wait for them to go bad. Take advantage of the market. Strike while the iron is hot. The supply is very low right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the demand will be high. Is. This is a really expensive desk, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, the, the official statistic is that one person buys a hand every year, but in reality, Hans Georg buys 10,000 hands a day and should not have been counted. Oh, you guys have no, this is not a joke that any of you have heard. You never heard the spider thing? Yeah. No. Okay, so 
there's a statistic that was like you the average person eats eight spiders a year oh yeah, yeah. right but which sounds terrifying <laughs> the thing is like true. spiders Georg, who eats ten thousand spiders a year <laughs> was an outlier and should not have been counted <laughs> in reality <laughs> you eat fewer than one spiders a year <laughs> and i don't know why that just our comment made me think of like one person that's specifically looking to buy hands <laughs> on the black market is solely funding that entire genre of buying stuff your desk is literally going to cost you a hand and a leg. Uh, and with that, we're out. <laughs> we're out. There's the title. Get me right out of here. All right, guys. Catch you guys next time. Okay, bye. Thanks for having me. <laughs>